Hello and welcome to another NMA podcast. I'm Ollie Smith, online producer here at NMA, and here to talk all things phoenixing and regulation with me is our regulatory reporter, Elliot Smith. Hello, mate. Bonjour. And with us also is NMA editor, Will Robbins. Hello, Will. Hello. How are we doing? Very well. Good stuff. Um, before we talk all things phoenixing and regulation, I have a question for you both, which is uh, we normally play Who's Hot, Who's Not every week. This week, platforms, are they hot or not? Some platforms are hot. Okay. So aggregate, lukewarm. <laughs> they're, they're hot. Of course they're hot. They're all, they're all getting a lot well. They're increasingly uh, either saying or actively get, you know, starting uh, IPOs, floats. We had Transact. Transact kicked it off. Then uh, fast in behind was AJ Bell. Now, can, will we see Nucleus join? It's been reported they're looking at it. They said last year they were, wasn't in their plans, but plans mm. change very quickly. Yeah. Um, so there are some more well-known names. Embark, who you may or may not have heard of, <laughs> have also said they want to do an IPO. Um, you know, there's a trend that, they, I mean, everyone wants to jump on this. I, I remember having conversations last year when people basically said, look, it's, there's a, the market can only take one. So if Transact goes, that's it. Don't, you know, don't bother. But maybe it'll take two. Can it take more than AJ Bell and Transact? Well, that is the question that we asked our readership on ah, Twitter yeah. this week, Will, uh, in an exclusive NMA Afternoon Twitter poll. We asked how many platform IPOs can the market support this year, with the options being number one, just Transact, number two, Transact and AJ Bell, number three, Transact, AJ Bell and Nucleus, and number four, all of those Plus Embark. Ah, good old Embark. And the results are in. <laughs> the results are 42%. The majority said that Transact and AJ Bell would be the only ones that would float this year. With 38%, that's pretty close behind, Transact, AJ Bell and Nucleus. 16%, interestingly, so not the lowest percentage uh, of people said all of those plus Embark. So there was some... So how did tra just Transact on its own come in? 4%. So, they, so okay. Yeah. So it's at least two. Yeah. But I think I, that, sounds pretty, you know, that sounds pretty reasonable to me. I, I'd believe that. I'd, yeah. I'd believe that. I'd buy that. So, poll over. We're going to talk uh, regulation and phoenixing. Elliot, you're sitting here next to us with loads of notes and a copy of the magazine with the Phoenix Files that we published a couple of weeks ago. You've been doing loads of work on this. Um, what's the biggest story you've worked on so far? Well, I think the, the Phoenix Files is... Um Another recurring thing, we just kind of look at the, the number of firms that have re-emerged in some capacity. It's not necessarily to say that they've all phoenixed by the conventional definition, but just where the, the directors of firms that have gone into default have, have popped up elsewhere. Um, it's, come, it's become even more topical this week um, with Frank Field sort of imploring the FCA to look more closely at connected entities to the IFAs that have been implicated in the British Steel saga. Um, so I think it's really come to a head and come to public interest a bit further than just uh, the IFA profession now that it's been um, mentioned by MPs and that the SCA are sort of coming under more scrutiny. That's very interesting. Will, you, you spotted a story in the Sunday Times a couple of weeks yes, ago. Yes, uh, there I was, eating my cornflakes uh, <laughs> on, on Sunday morning. Uh, you liar, Will. We all know that you eat crunchy nuts. It's not avocado on toast, of course, because <laughs> I'm, I'm only 32. And uh, so, and I, and I, yeah, and I sort of spotted, uh, spotted the, the, the word Phoenix firms jumping out of uh, the money section uh, from our friends at the Sunday Times. Um, 
And uh, yeah, you know, they, you know, we write, we've written about Phoenix firms for years. It's a huge uh, gripe uh, for advisors that, that uh, you know, a firm can, can uh, fold, uh, leave claims on the FSCS, to fall on the FSCS that everyone else pays for, and then reappear, or the directors reappear elsewhere um, to, to just start again. You know, big problem. Anyway, um, and we've done various things, and as, as Eric said, we've done the Phoenix Files, and we every, periodically we spot a firm or write about it. Um, Q grumbles, Q, when's the FCA going to get hold, hold of this? It was already a big issue in 2014 when mm. we did the first big look into the, into this, the data crunching. Yeah. FSA, FCA, FSA, I think at the time, said they were going to crack down on it. It has moderately improved since then. Anyway. They probably wish, the regulator probably wishes it had done a bit more because now it's in the Times, okay? It's in, mm. you know, it's the Nationals. And uh, in as in important in the sense that, you know, um, it, does, it does command, uh, you know, that an element of, um, you know, public interest there where people feel like, you know, they're, they're being let down. Uh, the consumers feel like they're being let down, not just the, the, the advisors who, of course, we're writing for. So, you know, this could balloon, uh, potentially. Uh, it was good to see the, 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 you know, Ali Hussein cover it. And, um, yes, yeah, so they, they had a case uh, of uh, a couple who'd lost about, or it was two friends um, who'd lost, I think, £650,000 of mm. their retirement savings. A lot of it's money. A decent watch. You know, we forget this. It's a lot of money. Um, and, you know, without sort of exhaustively going over the details, um, I think it you know, involved, involved a firm which uh, basically went out of business, but the advisor is uh, set up another firm under, under a network and it mm. has carried on. Um, so, you know, there, there were details in there about what was wrong with the advice. The advisor, you know, ha I think defended himself. Um, but it's, uh, and again, phoenixing, you know, phoenixing isn't an illegal practice. You mm. know, it's standard is standard practice in many ways mm. uh, when it comes to, uh, I forget the phrasing right, but the, the process of, of liquidation. Mm. Um, I think we have a, a way of putting it, but it's a, a widely used administration tactic that allows company directors to escape personally footing the bill for a failed firm's liabilities. Mm. Uh, and advisors can start up again having acquired the assets and clients from the old firm. So um, it takes many guises, but that's it. So, you know, it happens in other, you know, there's other reasons in other industries, it happens in other industries. And the, and the reasons that people um, are done by, are, you know, are slightly, you know, similar. Um, you know, creditors aren't paid. People's, you know, often, you know, I think my, my uh, wife's auntie had a problem with someone who's building, doing some construction work for her. The company went under mm. and someone got in touch with her saying, you know, oh, the staff haven't been paid and, you know, um, work hasn't been done. And, oh, but they started up again and we're going to try and do that was a phoenix thing, you know. Mm. But but in that case, you know, you don't have clients who are massive out of pocket as, as, to the same extent, potentially. And you don't have a whole industry who has to pick up the bill for it. So mm. anyway, there you go. That's phoenixing. Um, and uh, yes, it uh, looks like it looks like it sort of could be giving could be a bit of momentum now mm. and pressure on the FCA. There are lots of big problems in the world, as we know. Um, this one, it seems, could be solved quite simply, I get the impression. Elliot, do you, you must talk to advisors all the time about this, and it's almost such a standard grumble that, you know, we can't devote all of the column inches in the 
magazine to it all the time because if we did then you know it would literally be a single issue publication wouldn't it um do you do you agree with them when they say that this needs to be fixed is it that simple can it be changed with law um i think what having spoken to a few compliance gurus about this recently um a lot of the consensus seems to be around more joined up thinking between uh, say the fscs the fca um the the professional bodies um who are providing SPSs, um, the the data is, is often there, the, the information is there and publicly available, um, yet these people do seem to be able to get reauthorised. And you know, it's, not, it's not to say that nobody who has been in a liquidated firm should be you know, barred from re-entering the profession, um, so firms liquidating is sort of common practice, but there does need to be a lot more, um, as I say, joined up thinking across bodies and scrutiny of the reasons for firms' liquidation and the circumstances surrounding the, the claims that may um, have, have brought them down as well. Um, I think that's it, it, that is really really common consensus that yes, more more can and should be done to address this. Um, it's finding the balance from a regulatory perspective. I think is is the issue that the SCA faces. Is there a case there for a single regulator? Because I know that all this, every time we have a scandal, all the bodies get brought, brought dragged in front of committees, and there seems to be so many sessions because they have to drag in so many different bodies to question them. Is there a case here for, you know, in terms of joined up thinking, making a single pensions regu regulator, for instance, or you know, joining everything up? Um, I think on so something like British Steel has has brought this to light a lot more with both the FCA and uh, the pensions regulator taking a bit of a hide-in from Frank Field in a very public forum. Um, so I think you know, when, they're, when they're both on the receiving end of the same criticism, it has led them to a very active move to, uh, to, to connect a little bit better on these issues and to work together and to, to build a joint strategy. Um, I think with, when it comes to major pension schemes like this, if we're to avoid British Steel situations happening time and time again, then that needs to be a, a consistent and established practice now. But that's more about stopping it from happening in the, the, the sort of the bad eggs, isn't mm, it? And stopping yeah. things happening in the first place. Yeah, prevention. And then, I mean, in, in the, what was interesting in the, the case of Phoenixing, when we looked at it most recently, when, when, it, when Elliot, when you wrote about it, was you identified the role of liquidators. So as I said, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a perfectly legitimate, so to speak, a legitimate practice. But, you know, sometimes the details we found out uh, looking at so-called Phoenix cases or cases where a firm has sort of, there's a re, what we might call a reincarnation to avoid the word, term free Phoenix, you know, or, or some what's been described as uh, connected entity, is is you know you, you can find it out in the liquidator's report. Go onto company's house mm. and the liquidator who's do, you know doing their job uh, will say you know will say well you know uh, we've, we've 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 here's a deal that we've worked out. You can sell. Uh, to sell your clients, you know, as part of this process, again, oh, you can sell your clients to another business. Oh, who's that business? Well, it turns out it's someone who's connected to the previous firm, you know. Mm. Now, sometimes these things are enough to amount to phoenixing, sometimes not, but it's that, it's that connection, you know, and it, it's, it's, if it's there in black and white, you know, some of these connections. And um, the FCA has, like, you know, can see this stuff. And, you know, mm. it, it, you know as well as firms we we've spoken to have said, we showed the FCA everything that was going on, you know, or, or rather they've said, they haven't said that, they've said this material was available to the FCA, which mm. perhaps just means it was on company's house. Uh, 
And that's why I sort of, I do think that re for, for a while now, that deserves much harder thought. Um, how the FCA, you know, how much they kind of look into this, the whole li the process of liquidation, not just that the firm is kind of, okay, it's, in, it's been declared in default by the FSCS and is now applying for authorizations, but just dig down into the process that's going on here. Um, and that could, I don't know, that could, that could sort of throw up a lot of red flags. Mm. It's really, really interesting you talk about liquidators because I recall a meeting that we had where we, we started to drill down to this topic of liquidators. And, um, you know, whenever a scandal like this seems to happen, and it does seem to happen again and again, you have the sort of same characters emerging. And I think one of the things we were discussing was, you know, how do we investigate the liquidators? How do we actually bring them in, into the conversation? Um, because as you say, you know, the role of a liquidator is perfectly legitimate and necessary for whatever process needs to take place after a business is collapsed. What more can the FCA do to engage with, with, uh, with liquidators? Well, I think, Elliot, didn't your piece, uh, <laughs> didn't your piece like, have like three, three sort of things that the uh, liquidator could do? Read them out, Elliot. Yeah, I think we've got well, coffee. I'll find them first, hang on. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, so one of the, I mean, one of the most straightforward things is just is basic information sharing. So liquidators' reports contain information on who's bought the the client bank, who the creditors are, etc. Straightforward supplying those to the FCA could could bridge one area of the gap. Um, the one of the other suggestions was sort of directors of uh, failed firms paying a hefty-ish deposit if they want to set up again. Um, this will be forfeited if they have any kind of upheld false complaints again within a certain period. Um, that's, I guess, the the idea behind that is just to try and sort of target any uh, any sort of deliberate reincarnation of slightly mm. skullduggerous firms, shall we say? Um, I just really want to use the word skullduggerous there. And uh, the FCA, <laughs> the third suggestion was the FCA should use data about complaints against individual advisors when considering an application to become authorised. Um, Again, it's, it's information that's that's available and that's there. Um, a bit more, a bit more digging, and a bit more sort of direct appraisal of the individuals behind uh, each firm, either side of a of sort of reincarnation, uh, could uh, could help. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, I'm going to ask you a final question, but you're looking at me as though you might have something well, to say. Well, one thing to add is that, uh, that I mean, the FCA. I mean, I think. Uh, I'd like to hear from the FCA. I'd like to have more, you know, hear more engagement from the FCA on on that issue. The other thing is, I mean, we have discovered to get to, to sort of get to the FCA's credit is that there is a um, a mechanism that they've been using. We noticed they'd been using via the FCA register, which is a, I think it's called an asset retention order. Basically, uh, when a firm is kind of uh, winding down um, or going through that process of like leaving authorization. The, uh, the FCA put, slaps uh, this requirement on them that basically, you know, that essentially, um, yeah, essentially can't sort of freezes their assets uh, or doesn't allow, no, be, be careful. They can't transfer certain assets to another regulated entity. Okay, so that, just to make sure that's, that's within the FCA's domain there. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I think we found out recently, it has, you know, over the last 12 months, it's used this six, Eight, eight. eight times, yeah. Eight times. So about eight times, yeah. And, um, you know, it has, it's confirmed to us, you know, I mean, we'd noticed it about a year ago and when the, we did the Phoenix Files 2017, mm. that the numbers had gone down a bit 
and we asked about this and they have confirmed that it's a tool that they they use uh you know it's part of their sort of you know attempt to stop phoenixing so you know eight potentially eight firms <laughs> eight phoenixes haven't happened as a, as a result of that or it's, it's played a role in that um that is some progress you know it's interesting mm. to see that but um Again, it's, you know, it's difficult to get a lot of detail out of the FCA, apart from sort of confirming it's a tool they use, look at the numbers that we have to dig around in. You, know, you don't get a lot of detail from them. Mm. Um, the FCA might end up in front of a select committee about this, like it did with British Steel. Mm. And then they're going to be asked for names then. So we saw what happened there. It was all very, you know, it wasn't great. Imagine very stressful for the FCA, you know, sudden, suddenly the, the, the spotlight was on them. So, you know, after years of asking about this and, and trying to get detail, it'd be great. You know, here's the opportunity for the FCA to, to, to sort of talk about this more openly uh, and, uh, and take more action and, you know, and, and float, some, float, float some alternative ways in which they could change before, before they end up getting the, the grilling that, yeah. the, that they might do. I think it's just worth adding, you know, this is all connected somehow along the road to pension freedom, isn't it? Because there's the freedom and choice of people to make decisions about their money. And when the advice firms that are involved are bad, as they, you know, arguably have been in some cases in the British Steel situation, um, that's meant that people have uh, have lost out. But I think the, um, the thing that was very interesting about the FCA's speech at the uh, Association of British Insurers... Uh, uh, event a couple of weeks ago yeah. was Megan Butler, director of supervision, was saying that you know they wanted to review what they'd been doing too. So there is clearly some ap appetite on the part of the regulator, you know, to give them give their own policies, their own sort of MOT in the same way that we've been doing yeah. you know too. So we shall see. We shall see. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. So that concludes another a New Model Advisor podcast. Uh, hope you've enjoyed listening and thanks to our guests, Will and Elliot, for being with us. Um, don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast by going to, to iTunes and searching for New Model Advisor. And as ever, do follow our updates on news and podcast stuff on Twitter. The handle is at New Model Advisor. See you again next week and thanks for listening.